Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Well, welcome to another one of our Common Ground Unity Podcasts. We've got a great discussion in store with an uh, individual who has been a, a rich blessing to my life, both through his, uh, his life of ministry and his personal influence uh, in my own ministry. So I'm going to be thrilled to introduce him in just a couple of moments. Um, want to first say to those of you that are listening in that not only do we offer this podcast week to week and drop new contact, uh, content and conversations, but we also uh, have added recently our Patreon channel, and we invite you to check that out. It's got a lot of great resources in addition to the essays and conversations that we have on our podcast and content on our Facebook page and website. You can go there, subscribe, and in doing that, you help to support Common Grounds Unity and our mission in trying to bring people together in the body of Christ. So um, please do that, and if you'd like to donate, you can do that as well. There's information in our show notes about how to do that. I've got a co-host that I want to introduce, and I'm very excited about sharing the conversation with today, Sarah Allen. Is, uh, is with us today. She is originally from Newburgh in Southern Indiana, but she is getting ready to start her junior year at Johnson University with a ministry leadership major. And uh, I'm going to ask her to tell us a little bit more about that in just a couple of moments. But uh, Sarah recently uh, was a part of the Next Gen Preacher Search at Pepperdine University, which Jeff Walling coordinates and brings together. And I was able to hear her preach there and uh, also uh, just be a part of that closing program. And she was a part of that. So, Sarah, we're so glad to have you. I think you're our first um, undergraduate student co-hosting the program. You can put that down as a milestone. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself and about what you're studying and what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, yeah, so like Kevin said, I am originally from Southern Indiana. I've grown up there all my life. Um, I've grown up in the church all my life. And um, I started my studies at Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, two years ago. And there I am studying uh, ministry leadership with concentrations in preaching and church leadership. Um, so yeah, I'm going into my junior year there in the fall. Um, I'm also an RA at school, resident assistant, so that's a huge blessing as well. Um, this summer, I'm actually doing an internship at a church plant in uh, right outside of Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing ministry here for the first time, getting my feet wet into this world of, um, you know, making, making more people come to the kingdom of God. So um, yeah, it's been such a blessing to, you know, start to do ministry here. Wow, so love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit about me. Well, that's it's great to learn that and to learn about your aspirations for advancing the kingdom and serving Jesus and uh, serving his people. So thank you for being with us today. Excited to share this conversation. Thank you. I want to introduce our, our guest today. 
Um, our guest today is Mike Cope, a name that uh, many of you are familiar with for a number of reasons. Mike has had a, a long ministry in Churches of Christ, and he has uh, preached in uh, some of our more prominent and influential congregations, and that in both places, um, he was in churches that served the academic community, churches that served a lot of college students that would have been blessed by his ministry. So he helped to shape generations through those ministries and a number of others. He's been in ministry for over 35 years. His ministry in preaching uh, alone has taken him from North Carolina to Arkansas, where he was my preacher, by the way. I was uh, in my senior year at Harding University when Mike came uh, as a 26-year-old, I think, age-wise, I've got that correct, to preach for the college church in Searcy, Arkansas. That was quite uh, quite a step for a 26-year-old and for a church to bring a 26-year-old in. But boy, he just knocked it out of the park every Sunday and, and really raised my vision for what preaching can be and how it can impact. He went from there to Texas, where he became the uh, preaching minister for the Highland Church in Abilene, uh, Texas, preached there for many years um, before stepping out of that role and has served in a no continues to preach all around the country. He directs the Harbor Pepperdine Bible Lectures and works with the Department of Church Services there, uh, works with church leaders and people in ministry doing cohorts, encouraging them, uh, mentoring them, and, uh, and he directs Pepperdine's Sanctuary, Thriving in Ministry Program. Uh, Mike's a graduate of Harding University. I know Harding Graduate School of Theology as well. He's written five books. He was the editor for a number of years of Wineskins Magazine when it was still a hard copy magazine, and I can subscribe to it that way. 21st Century Christian as well. He, he has been married to his delightful wife, Diane, for 41 years and they're just a great partnership. They've got two sons, Matt and Chris, and their favorite pastime is being with their three grandchildren. Mike kind of splits his time. You know, it's, it's a tough life. Uh, when he's not in Abilene, he's in Malibu. So Mike, so glad to, I've been longing to have you on the program. Glad to have you with us. How are things? Good, Kevin. And, and it is true. I was <laughs> your preacher when you were a college student and, um, that was pretty young at the time. I'd like to go back and undo some of what I probably inflicted on people at that age. But one of the great things is that was in the uh, mid 1980s. One of the great things is there was no YouTube at the time. <laughs> There's no evidence, <laughs> no podcast that's, that's been erased. Hopefully I've matured some through the years, but that's, that's a sweet memory. And uh, well, I do. Work I don't, I don't remember anything you'd want to have erased, by the way. I, those <laughs> sermons impacted my life and I know a lot of lives in those yeah, years. So thanks, Kevin. And I, I guess I'm about the only person given a chance to work for Pepperdine and live in Malibu who's chosen to stay in Abilene. But uh, this is for three grandchildren are. So it remains yeah. home. I've had a number of people say, man, why hasn't Mike moved to Malibu? And I said, I, I think those family ties are a little stronger than that beach, but he, he still gets a lot of time. I still in get Malibu, out there. So it's, it's yeah. a beautiful. Arrangement. It's 108 in Abilene today and 70 in Malibu. So oh, I'll be out there I'm... next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, terrific. Well, Sarah, um, I don't know if this is your first time meeting Mike. You may have met him before at the Pepperdine, but why don't you kick us off with our first, uh, first question? 
All right, Mike, could you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself um, and your spiritual life and just your journey? Sure. And let me say too, Sarah, um, that's, it's nice to have this time with you. I'm really impressed with uh, your spiritual formation and so glad you participated in the uh, Next Gen program. Um, I was bred and born in uh, Churches of Christ. I was born in Neosho, Missouri, and I graduated from high school there so that my formative years were there. For some with long-term restoration connections, it was the home church for Rue Porter, a traveling gospel preacher in the Ozarks back in those days. Um, I went to um, Harding as a Bible major, went from there to Harding Grad School, and uh, that kind of launched this life of, of preaching in North Carolina, then at the college church in Searcy, then eventually down to uh, Abilene. One of the delights of my life is that I got to follow two of my preaching heroes, Jim Woodruff in Searcy, though there was somebody briefly between us, and then Lynn Anderson in Abilene. So that, that was nice to get close to their trails and realize they were just as authentic as I uh, thought they might have been. And then I taught at ACU for 15 years, freshman Bible. And um, that, that was just a, a great delight to, to be able to do that. Mike, at Pepperdine at Harbor, you spoke this year about participating in God's restoration. And on your outline, there was one idea, two leaders, three stories, and four strengths. And, and by the way, uh, John Teal is going to be sure that the link to Mike's message is in the show notes for you to access those. Talk to us a little bit, if you will, about the one idea sure, and why it is so important to the soul of our fellowships. Happy to. First, I want to set some context for that, for those who may listen to it. It, it was a class set up by our HR. Um, I typically don't teach during Harbor uh, I tried it my first year and I wore myself out. So I said, uh, not much more of that. But our HR department wanted a class for people who work for Pepperdine who are not that familiar with Churches of Christ to be able to come to. So um, I stepped in and and taught that one. So it was directed toward them. So anyone else is kind of overhearing a class that wasn't uh, primarily directed to them. But the one idea is that which was common wherever you were in those early days of the American Restoration Movement, whether you're in Kentucky with Stone or you're in Virginia with Campbell or you're in the Northeast. And that was a part of the Second Great Awakening, this sense that with division everywhere, we must seek to be just Christians. We, we must seek unity in the faith. Now that played out a little differently, as we know, between Alexander Campbell and Stone, Campbell moved us toward the importance of doctrine and Stone kept moving us toward what he called the unity of fire, the the working of the Holy Spirit within us. And since then, it's been that interplay. And I remember that from my earliest days. I remember that we had the motto of uh, in matters of opinion, we have liberty, but in matters of doctrine, we have to be united. But we, we never quite got around to who got to decide what bucket that went into. And uh, so I've often talked about the Hugo McCord crisis because we had two gospel meetings every year. And Hugo, a wonderful Old Testament scholar from Oklahoma Christian, would come up to Missouri 
and uh, hold it. And one year he taught a men's Bible class and we found out Hugo McCord was a pacifist. And uh, so the big question was, were we still in fellowship with Hugo McCord? I didn't even know at the time that a large part of the history of the American Restoration Movement um, could identify with that, with David Lipscomb and, and others. But at the time, that's my earliest remembrance, that that's a tough dance for us. But the one idea that I wanted to emphasize is whatever we're seeking to do, we're, we're leading back to the prayer of Jesus that we all may be one. And um, so that's that was the beginning, the one idea behind the two leaders, the three stories, the four uh, strengths. Do you have any practical thoughts on how we might reignite a passion for unity within ourselves and even within our fellowships? I, I do have some practical thoughts. I, I remember Randy Harris one time saying, here are eight points. And at the end, the final point is they don't work. Um, <laughs> they, they can work and we keep moving toward that goal, but we, we've, we found ourselves uh, falling short again and again, but but that doesn't stop the journey, right? That doesn't mean we don't keep seeking what the Lord prayed for. Somebody uh, at ACU counted and found just within Churches of Christ, that stream of the restoration movement, we've divided over 75 different issues. And guessing that we'll never agree on all those 75, my question is, how can we find unity in, in the midst of that? I've been deeply influenced by Leonard Allen, one of my dear friends. Leonard says it was like many of us were born on an island, but we thought that was the whole world. We, we maybe knew that in a distance there was a mainland, but it was, you know, it's just kind of there be dragons. We don't want, we don't want to go there. But part of what many have sought to do is build this bridge so that, that we're connected better. And pretty soon the bridge becomes an isthmus and, and there's more foot traffic back and forth. And then we're more comfortable realizing that we are all part of the body of Christ. Uh, the three things that, that hit me today are these. Number one, we need more centripetal force, more movement to the center, uh, more focus on that which Scripture considers the center, the story of Christ, the work of the gospel, the redeeming of God in Jesus Christ. We, we need more and more movement toward that center, and it tends to hold us together. And second, we need to do service things together, whether it's works of evangelism, works of justice, works of mercy. As we do those together, we realize that there is the very faith we're looking for. We see evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the third one, which is perhaps the most difficult, is uh, just more listening. We need, uh, I, like, I like the title of the podcast, Common Grounds. I like the idea of sitting down for a cup of coffee and, um, and listening carefully to one another, getting to the point where I can articulate what I think you're saying rather than stereotyping what you're saying. And um, those are easy for me to enumerate. They are not easy to put in practice, but nobody ever said unity would be easy. But those are some beginning places, Sarah. Hey everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We wanna take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. 
Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. Mike, who, who are some of the leaders that have uh, inspired your passion for ministry? I mean, some of those may be contemporaries. Some of those may be uh, ones that were a generation ahead of you or even just historical. Who are the ones that have given you hope and yeah. and been good models for you? I'm still deeply moved by the Alexander Campbell token, uh, communion token story, hmm. where he's got to decide. He's been given his token because he's been proved orthodox in his sub-branch of the Presbyterian Church. And whether the story is a bit apocryphal or not, uh, it, it carries weight with me that he laid down the token and he walked out because he knew, he knew that that kind of division doesn't bring us to the table of the Lord. So their old stories like that inspire me. I've been inspired by the writings of, of my buddy Leonard, just those images of bridge building, of moving to one another. And he, along with Richard Hughes, helped me understand that we're not a tradition that doesn't have a tradition. There, There is a lot back there. And as I understand that, I'm able to understand that others have their traditions as well. Um, maybe nobody impacted me more than Rubel Shelley. It, it was my privilege to, uh, to start and edit Wineskins for 12 years with Rubel, with Philip Morrison as the publisher. Um, and And I always thought my job was just to do some serious editing work behind the scenes because Rubel was this voice inviting us to, to own up to the better angels of the heritage that we want to be Christians, but not the only Christians. Um, and I was deeply impacted. He and I traveled all over doing workshops. And at the end of the day, before we could unpack it, Rubel would get a phone, if this is pre-cell phone days, he'd find a phone and he would call and do pastoral work with every person he knew of that needed it at the Woodmont Hills Church. Mm. That, that just brought a tender edge to this idea of pursuing unity to me, that it began with his church. It began with his own pastoral work and his care for suffering people in his church. So I found that that tied together. If you've got time, two more names quickly. 
Kevin. Yeah, One please. is um, an elder of mine at, at Highland, John Willis, a well-known mm. Old Testament scholar, one of the great Old Testament scholars of the world, but he that's not really how we knew him at church. He was a gentle man with measured words who probably could have put the final trump card down on any argument, but chose not to. He and Evelyn were gentle giants in a church. And um, so I love the way that you bridge together world-class Old Testament scholarship with a gentle, caring soul. And the final one is a name probably most listeners wouldn't know, Bill Nash, as he self-described himself an old drunk. And he got sober, became our minister of ministry outreach at Highland. But I know of people who drove five or more hours to sit down for one hour with Bill because they could sit in the presence of someone who would love them and help move them forward. And um, so that's a different part of the unity. Bill wasn't a scholar, but he was a different kind of, of scholar. And then there's the softness in my heart for we lost our daughter when she was 10. She was mentally disabled. And we found in Megan a very simple way of bringing people together because no matter how spirited they might be about some issue, they were drawn together for the care of a fragile child who loved them. And uh, so quite often in emergency rooms and uh, ICU rooms, we found people together in ways they um, might not have been outside of those tender moments. What a what a beautiful cross section. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Sure. You know, Mike, as we we all know, every tribe and fellowship has its own strengths and weaknesses. Um, but could you speak to the value of building strong relationships outside of our particular fellowships? And maybe share a few stories outside of your fellowship that who have been blessings to you. Sure. We were always fans of Garrison Keeler and Prairie Home Companion. So I have a soft spot for Father Emil um, and Pastor Inkfest, who were the two ministers in Lake Wobegon who held each other's lives intact. And I found that here in Abilene through those 20 years, through through our daughter's illness, through her death, through all of the grief, and, and many other things in life, difficult issues at church. And um, when Wineskins was going, those were some turbulent times in other ways. But I had my dear friends in other churches here in town, and I, I still kind of tear up when I think about meeting Wednesday mornings at Town Crier for a one-egg special with, with these, these friends. Another friend in town was kind of my Pastor Inkfest or Father Emil, a, a guy named Phil Christopher. He was the pastor of First Baptist. And when Phil wasn't preaching, he'd slip over to Highland because he loved the acapella singing. Uh, it reminded him of an earlier time in his life when everybody belted out music in four-part harmony. And often when I wasn't preaching, I'd slip over there to hear my friend preach. But it, it was more than that. We We had a chance to uh, to help tie our churches together, to help bring together some downtown churches and cross some lines there. But uh, once again, when I think about, Phil was a wonderful preacher. He just retired recently after, I think, almost 30 years there. 
I, I went for that last service and I think 15 people spoke and I don't remember anyone speaking about his preaching, though, again, his preaching was good. They spoke about how he met them at the emergency room, how he counseled them after a divorce, how he did all of these things. And I had the privilege of being friends with with a kind Christ-like man like that. These are just anecdotal, but I guess that's that's what you asked for. On a much larger scale, I think there is a way forward for those who are in ministry to to find some of those who are out there. Maybe they don't know anything about ACU and Lipscomb and Pepperdine and so on. They've got their own equivalents, but to find in them the commonality of the gospel and, and to build bridges from there. I'm, I'm really heartened by churches that are, that are finding new ways to build bridges to other churches, to realize that at this time, I'll speak for our country, especially in American history, it, it, it's no time to consider others the enemy. With, with a decline in the numbers in our churches, it's a time to embrace those whom we can embrace and find commonalities to serve the Lord together. Boy, I appreciate that, Mike. It, it just seems so apparent for anybody looking at, at the current state of churches and decline that, that we need to have a lot more uh, fellowship around our common faith in Jesus and and fewer arguments about things that separate. And uh, love hearing that. Um, uh, Mike, you have always blessed others by pouring into them, others in ministry. That's just been a part of who you've been. And even I've, I've got a little funny story. I, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or not, but you know, when I, that makes I me mentioned nervous. you were my preacher <laughs> and, and you were 26 and I was a senior at Harding. So, so for our listeners to know when Mike came to the college church, he wasn't just about getting up and preaching quality sermons on Sunday. He built relationships with students. And I, I was one of those that he gave the opportunity to uh, get up and preach on a Sunday night at the college church. And he'd do that with uh, some of the individuals that he felt were developing for ministry. So one Sunday night, he had me preach. And he this wasn't too long into your ministry, Mike. So after that, I, I went over to one of the, the dorms to pick up the young lady I was dating, who is now my wife. And there was a, a, a college student, uh, another young lady, lived in that dorm, had gone to the college church for the first time in a long time. She'd heard about this you know, great new preacher college church had, Mike Hope. But I was preaching, and maybe she missed the introduction or something, but she thought, why is the new young minister at college <laughs> church coming over and picking up a young lady from Keller, or not Keller dorm, that's a male from Sears dorm at Harding. And so, so you so really got me in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I could have got you in trouble right off the bat. And, uh, well, so, you know, had you been a 50 year old, that. yeah. Had you been a 50 year old minister, nobody would have made been confused. Um, oh, being young but, was uh, problematic in so many ways. <laughs> well, I mean, a part of that was throughout your life, you have, have cared about developing, pouring into, and now I see you doing so much about encouraging the health of people in ministry. Mm -hmm. um, we had Randy Harris on the podcast about a year ago, and one of the things he said was, pandemics do not create, they reveal. 
Uh, the Barnett Group published some concerning statistics about the well-being of ministry leaders, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, and so many out there are lonely. Uh, they're struggling through some rough waters. More than a third of ministry leaders have considered quitting in the past year, according to, to some reports. So unity, it'll remain only an idea if we neglect the health and well-being of ministry leaders or anybody, really, that we're serving alongside. Um, Oneness in Christ certainly involves ministering to those that are facing uh, darker times in life. So it it seems like there's a need for some paradigm shifts to occur in in ministering to one another. What what would you say to this? What, What do you... What do you find hopeful? What are some ways that we can kind of address these things? I, I think anecdotally, I can testify to the Barna stats that in all the ministers I'm dealing with, I, I would say that's pretty accurate, that there are a lot looking for ways to transition out. Ministry is really tough right now. The, the huge divide that cuts through our country politically cuts right through the churches, and COVID didn't, didn't help that at all. Um, not only that, but Bar- I think Barna pointed out that for those who are under 40, it's more like 47% mm. are are considering getting out. So that group that we really need to hold on to for the future, so many are looking at other options. Uh, I'm going to give one practical advice and then, and then um, a, a broader view. One is I've told so many younger ministers, get off of social media. Uh, you, you don't, maybe you can handle it or at least put some limits for yourself. Um, read the things that Andrew Root is writing. I, I think it's healthy. It's challenging. You, we don't need to be spending five hours a day on our smartphones. We don't need to be checking Instagram and Twitter, not so much because everything there is evil, but because it can consume you in ways and keep you sidetracked. And, and you might come to learn things about people you're trying to minister to you don't really want to know. You know, these mm. people that you that you love and that you're trying to minister to, it can be very difficult when you're reading every word they put on Facebook. So that's just a practical thing. But broadly, mm. um, I, I think it's a time for ministers to do these things, Kevin. Um, one is they've got to find healthy relationships. There's something about ministry that can be isolating. Um, so that's part of what we try to do in cohorts is find friends that are safe. Those like a Phil Christopher, I was talking about, who are these people that I can just have fun with? And it's not all work. I heard one minister say somebody called him and asked him to go out uh, in the afternoon. He was all excited and he got there only to find out that the person wasn't wanting him for a friendship hat. He wanted his pastoral hat on. And it was so disappointing because he thought, oh, maybe somebody's just wanting to be with me. But we work on relationships. Second, we work on emotional well-being that um, that I, I need to learn to be grown up. I, I often say I had seven years of Greek in my studies and not one minute on how not to be an idiot in an elders meeting. You know, I had no <laughs> training in how to hold on to yourself and mm-hmm. be emotionally regulated in the midst of conflict. I and that's part of what I meant a while ago when I said I'd love to go back and redo the college church years and some of my early ministry years. I'd like to go back where things don't trigger me as easily, you know, mm-hmm. where the heat can go up in the room, but you just kind of stay calm and 
and uh, attentive and pastoral to people. So that's a second one. A third one is spiritual formation. And in my tradition, that's where I point people to the Sarah Bartons and the Eric Wilsons and the Randy Harrises and on and on. Those people who can help us uh, live a life that's not out of reaction, but centered in the love of God. And then the fourth one sounds secular to people, but I don't care. Um, we've got to find what is often called self-care. We, we've got to learn to rest and we've got to learn to exercise, even if it's a slow walk. We've got to learn to get outside. We've got to find those things that are joyful and fun and not just press down as if there's not going to be another day. We, we're not Gnostics. We believe that God is using us in these bodies. So we, we have to take care of these bodies. And, and all of these things kind of piece together in um, how I'm understanding ministers and the need for, for well-being. Yeah. Well, good advice. Mike, thank you so much for everything that you've shared so far. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Sure. One thing I'm seeing a lot in churches is great discouragement because most churches are smaller than they were before COVID and a lot smaller than they were in, say, the year 2000. I don't think that discouragement serves us well. Uh, what I keep telling people is if you were a church of 200 that used to be 600, most of the people there right now don't care <laughs> that you used to be 600. They're there right now. You know, they're, they're engaged. They're ready to get going. So I, if I could speak a word of hope to people, words that come out of the prophets, you know, that, that God is doing new things. Forget the former things, you know, Isaiah says, although he puts it next to remember the former things. Um, but it would, it would be to encourage these churches. These are the good old days. These are great days. These are challenging days. These are days it's clear the spirit is alive and working. And so find joy, not in going back and revisiting 25 years ago, but just who you are today. Bless the people who are there. Find new ways to put in a word for Christ these days in your community. That'd be, that'd be my word, Sarah, It'd just be a word of encouragement to get on with it right now. Mike, that is very, so hopeful. Um, it, it reminds me of some years back, a, a, a young individual, they, they put together a, an event. They were expecting 30 to 40 people to show up and, and four people showed up. They said, what a failure. And I said, well, what did you do with those four? They showed up. And, and it, it, well, we had a great discussion. We had this and that, and what a success for those four. Yeah. And I, I think we're sometimes so busy reminiscing about what was or lamenting what is now compared. You have those showing up every week. And, and I, I hear uh, hopeful people and, and people aspiring to see the kingdom flourish. And uh, let's minister well in the time we're in and not look back and not exactly. look too far ahead. So what good advice and good counsel. Uh, that, that's encouraging. Thanks, Kevin and Sarah. Love that. Well, Mike, we're going to ask you to come back for another podcast. We want to sure. talk to you about Harbor. And I know your head's probably not, you know, ready. It pro probably after a program like that, it takes half a year just to rest. Um, but we want to talk yep. a little bit about that. But the prep and, starts immediately for the next year. Yeah. 
No doubt. And as you get the program kind of fleshed out more, we'll have you back again, getting close to it to kind of profile the program if you'll come back and be with us. Great, um, thank you. So we're going we're gonna to be back on our, our next Friday podcast. Mike Cope is going to be back with us. Thank you for your time, Mike, and for the insights and discussion. Sarah, w- what a great launch co-hosting with us. We, we're, we're looking forward to doing this again on our next podcast. And uh, you, you may have multiple ministry careers here, you know, conversations like this and, and so much more. So She's good at blessing it, yeah. to be blessing. with you. It's a blessing. Uh, <laughs> To our listeners, we hope you'll join us again. We'll be back with Mike Cope next Friday. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.